Welcome to Analytics for Society, the podcast where we discuss how data can be used to help benefit the greater good of society with leading experts in this field. I'm your host, Jon Seglem, Managing Director in SAS Institute. Today, we will be discussing how AI can benefit the healthcare industry, where its impact promises to be truly life-changing. From hospital care to clinical research, drug development and insurance, AI applications are revolutionizing how the health sector works to reduce spending and improve patient outcomes. Our special guests today are Rune Simonsen, Director of Technology and eHealth at Helsesøst, and Ulf Hertin, Nordic Customer Advisor for the Healthcare Industry in SAS Institute. Thank you both for joining. Thanks. Thank you. Rune, let's jump straight in with you. Can you tell our listeners more about your role working with AI in the healthcare sector? Yes, of course. Uh, first, thank you for having me, Jorn. For the listeners to set the context, I would like to say a few words about Helsingfors. Helsingfors is uh, is the largest health region in uh, not only Norway but, but uh, even in in the Nordics, and uh, we uh, provide healthcare services to about three million people uh, in Norway, and uh, we are about eighty thousand employees. And uh, I started uh, in my role last year, so I'm quite new in in health actually, um, and I'm learning a lot uh, every day about the healthcare sector, which is extremely interesting. Um, and for the last 25 years, I've been working with IT in in different businesses. And actually, I started working with uh, with neural networks, which which is uh, one of the core technologies behind AI already in 1994. So um, my point with saying this is that uh, AI is not something new. Actually, it's it's quite a mature set of technologies. That being said, I'm not an AI expert. Uh, I would like to state that. But what really drives me is uh, is uh, how we can apply technology to create real value. And uh, of course, it's uh, extremely interesting to see how we can use technology to to create better uh, healthcare services. How about you, Ulf? Yeah, I'm I'm working with healthcare, and I'm I'm used to say I'm a healthcare nerd. I'm working with the healthcare in the entire life. AI specifically will have a great impact to the healthcare. And that's why I tried to join SAS for two years ago. And I think AI can really evolve healthcare, which the participants or the inhabitants will see for the future. And I think to to kick this off, we're, we're looking at healthcare players, you know, they're using AI to address significant inefficiencies and also open powerful new opportunities. These include everything from, you know, delivery of remote healthcare services to early diagnosis of disease and the hunt for new life-saving medicine. According to the Boston Consulting Group recent study, by 2022, spending on AI-related tools will top $8 billion annually. Massive numbers. So question to both of you, what, in your perspective, is the main technology driving these advancements in the healthcare sector? I think it's a tough question. It's easy to get quite fascinated by by the potential of AI from examples like applying AI for diagnosing cancer. We will talk more about that later, I think. But we should not forget also the great potential of automating uh, the more basic and often quite boring manual processes using robotic process automation and also AI. So I think there's a wide range of drivers um, and we will see different drivers uh, in, in different areas, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think uh, if, if, if you see the, the overall picture, the general driver for AI now is, is uh, the amount of data being available. And this growing amount of data is exponentially growing as we speak. So, I mean, data is fueling AI. So uh, the general driver, I would say, is, is the amount of data being available. Hmm. In your role as technology director, how do you ensure innovation is prioritized and new technology projects are initiated? 
Uh, well, first I would like to say that uh, most of the, the innovative projects uh, are initiated and driven uh, at the hospitals based on, on the needs seen by the doctors. So they are doing the work. Uh, and uh, my role is more to make sure that we have uh, innovation and AI as part of our total strategy for Health Sørøst, as well as making sure that we have budgets uh, and uh, so on, uh, are able to, to finance the projects. And uh, my role is also to make sure that we prioritize uh, the best or, or the correct projects based on, on needs and, and possibilities. Another aspect is to uh, make sure that we are able to involve other institutions or organizations like uh, universities, uh, like Sintef, and also uh, startup uh, environments like uh, Alip. So I also try to, to, to make sure that we collaborate with these, uh, these organizations. Mm. So when you work with these kind of like new projects that you lead alongside all these other stakeholders, how are they received? We have uh, the whole range of, uh, <laughs> of different ways they are received. So what we see is that those projects where we are able to involve the, the, the clinicians in a good way from, from, from day one, and not only have uh, technocrats like myself in the projects, those projects are, are, are the most successful. So then we get uh, a good reception and a good adoption of the, of the solutions. So involvement is key. If you're not able to uh, have good involvement, then we see less uh, good results, yes. Mm. I think also, as we have been discussing earlier, Rune, you know, you know, in your previous roles as well, you know, the user adoption side right. is extremely imp- important across it industries. Is. It, absolutely. You see, uh, this is not something which is particular for, for health or healthcare. Uh, you see it in all industries. That being said, I think uh, healthcare is, uh, is a bit special because um, the doctor has a very clear responsibility when it comes to taking care of a patient. So you need to make sure that the doctor is comfortable with this new tool that he or she gets uh, with uh, introducing AI. So um, the doctor needs to make sure that he or she really can trust and understand the machine, because just getting an, uh, an advice or, or an answer from an algorithm is not good enough. The doctor also needs to understand the reasoning for that answer or that advice. Mm. Otherwise, uh, the doctor can't actually use it. So um, that's also an important part when it comes to, to succeed with, uh, with the adoption or, 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 or the reception of new solutions. Definitely. Back to you, Ulf. Uh, how do you, you know, based on your experience, how do you see this working across different healthcare organizations in the Nordics? Let me start that where you ended, uh, Rune, I think it's the trust is probably the most important thing right. we need to, to face. And uh, clinicians need to trust the, the machines or the algorithms and so on. But it also needs to understand that uh, clinicians together with the machine are even better than the machine or the doctor by themselves. So the patients should demand the doctors or the clinicians to combine these two because uh, um, clinicians don't have 100% right every time. So they need to really get and and be supported of the AI and the algorithms themselves. And um, what I see in, in the Nordics, we need to trust over the borderline from hospital change to hospital chain on from a from a health företag. And if we can share the algorithm in a library model, I think that big exponential involvement will be present in the healthcare. But I think we need to trust the algorithm and we need to also demand the clinicians 
to understand they need to be supported by the machines. I think it's a it's a key aspect, and uh, I think it's interesting to look at the term AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, it's uh, translated to artificial intelligence. Right. I think for healthcare, especially, I think a better translation is augmented intelligence. Absolutely. To really uh, state that it's going to be a complement for the doctor, not a substitute. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. Um, we in SaaS, we, we don't utilize AI so much. We say advanced analytics. Right. And, and that can combine a lot of things we can do. And IE is a very small thing that we can do. So if we utilize advanced analytics, I think we really can combine everything in, in the analytics view from visualizations to machine learning and whatever we're talking about. Mm. So I think be a mature organization utilizing AI or utilizing advanced analytics is a broad range. Mm. So, so when we visualize the data, we understand the data more and then we can take the next step. Yeah. So it's a, it's a mature pattern we, we, and a pathway we need to get to know in the healthcare area. Mm. So building on that, uh, I also saw analysis by Accenture, you know, where they said that AI could help address 20% of unmet clinical demand, be it AI, advanced analytics or augmented reality, augmented analytics. Healthcare providers, you know, from major hospitals and drug manufacturers are taking note of that. And uh, we also discussed just before summer that we have a customer called Lillebelt Hospital in Denmark who have streamlined clinical audits with analytics to allow you know the surgeons the doctors to spend more time with patients mm. and you know improve uh, patient care Rune do you have examples of how you know we use let's call it then augmented intelligence mm-hmm. in in Norway in in Helsingrest uh, yes, we have several projects uh, where we uh, use AI, and um, one of them is a project here in Oslo called uh, the Dumor Project, which is focusing on diagnosing cancer. So in this project, we use AI to, to process digital images of tissues to decide whether chemotherapy is, is needed or not. And uh, they have been very su- successful, and uh, the algorithm uh, actually beats the pathologists in uh, both preciseness and and speed. So that's uh, one example. So there is clear benefits directly to the patients, faster and more secure. Another example is uh, is a project run by Sörland Sykehus, where we analyze electronic health records. And um, still, the, the health records are mostly uh, still unstructured. So uh, it, it can be quite uh, a challenge to, to find the, the important data in the journals. So in this project, they have used AI to analyze the journals to look for allergies for the patient. And especially in emergency situations, it's a challenge to scan through hundreds of documents for a, for a doctor to, to try to see if this uh, patient has some kind of allergies. So in this project, they have uh, developed an algorithm to, to identify if this patient has an allergy or not. Also very successful. Mm-hmm. So yes, we have many projects uh, focusing on, uh, on AI. So if you look across the Nordics and, you know, even beyond when you're on a global scale, what kind of examples or, or types of, uh, of projects do you see in terms of, you know, around AI and analytics? There is a lot. One of the most influential healthcare hospitals or, or providers today is Region South in Denmark. They are really working with AI in practice. And uh, what they do is they, they streamline the audit from the EPR system. So they find biomarkers for every diseases. And they are specialized in cancer, but also in hospital-acquired infections. And with hospital-acquired infections, we have found 
for example, in, in four diagnoses for pneumonia, for, for post-surgery, for um, urine tract infections, and um, also for sepsis, we can actually detect and identify these illnesses and these infections prior to the clinicians can identify them. So that gives them more time to really care and, and cure the, the infections. And that is something I think we really can, can take the speediness of it. If we can really detect illnesses and, and diseases earlier than the clinicians and the professional can today. And that gives, for example, sepsis is the most deathly disease we have in the healthcare. If you receive sepsis, you will die in three hours if you don't do anything. But with our algorithm and also algorithms from for US we have utilized for for example from Cleveland Clinic, we can identify these patients 12 hours prior to the symptoms. So they had more or less half a day of or really cure the patients and, and put the antibiotics and everything they needed. So I think that is the speediness making the healthcare not spending so much time on very severe illnesses. And that is saving times, saving money, and also have a greater impact on the healthcare. I want to get back to that uh, a bit uh, in a couple of minutes as well and on the staying healthy part, you know, and not, you know, the proactive part. And just before we get to that, if if you look on these AI initiatives and the project we see, do you want to comment on, on, you know, the key criteria to succeed with these projects? You know, what have you seen, Rune? You mentioned two very interesting examples. Yeah, of course, uh, access to to real data, to training data sets, it's uh, it's critical. And uh, that might be a challenge given data privacy considerations. And... uh, we also need to have a legislation which allows us to apply algorithm or AI in, in daily operations, which is a challenge today. That's why I say that we have a lot of projects going on, but we have much less results uh, in production due to the legislation. So uh, we need to have some changes in the legislation if you're going to really harvest on, on the potential of AI. Uh, what we also see is that we need to set up teams with both technological and medical skills. That's a key success factor in, in these projects. And of course, we need infrastructure to process these data in, in both in a powerful way and also in a secure way, given that much of these data are sensitive. So that's some key success factors. So if I move on to back to the things we're talking about on staying healthy, you know, one of the biggest potential benefits of, of AI is, you know, enabling people to stay healthy. So they don't need a doctor, or at least not that often. And if you look at the numbers from the World Health Organization, they estimate that one out of every 10 patients actually catch an infection, you know, while hospitalized. And I also saw some numbers from the US that 99,000 people die each year, massive numbers, due to those infections caught while in hospital. Uh, if you look at, uh, you know, similar numbers in Europe, they estimate 37,000 patients in Europe dying from infections, you know, scary numbers. How do we fight this? You know, you had an example before, Ulf. Do you want to elaborate? a bit more on the region yeah of course the region south and also other uh, hospitals in 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 sweden for example karolinska and um, they are utilizing these uh, algorithms today and um, we can say one or 12 patients will receive severe infections when they are hospitalized and and that's very very scary and uh, if you take about, we have in, in traffic accidents is, uh, for example, nearly 500 people dying in, in traffic accidents. 1,500 is dying because of infections in Sweden and Norway together. So, so that, is, uh, that is scary. 
as a lot of potentials here, which can, if we can identify these patients and cure them and block them to have severe illnesses, this is a lot of savings because these patients are occupying bed today. So if one patient's having infections, we're having seven more days on hospitals in average. And that is costly and it's more efficient and it can optimize logistics. And that is what US healthcare is really good at today. They are optimizing the way of having patients on different wards and so on. And I think that is a real benefit that is not clinicians. So it's maybe a little bit easier to implement. We talked earlier about a couple of examples we had in, in Norway on using AI. Are we, uh, you know, your perspective, Rune, on on are we working actively to prevent this kind of like public health concern in Norway on hospitalized infections? Uh, it's uh, definitely a, a, a key focus area for us. That said, uh, we haven't uh, yet started to, to utilize AI on this topic. So far, we are attacking this this problem with uh, more traditional means like uh, hygiene and uh, also looking at the logistics uh, within the hospitals. Uh, that being said, we have we have one uh, one project in Oslo here where we where we use an analytics to to see how much antibiotics we use. At the hospital. So uh, we are, of course, trying to reduce the use of uh, antibiotics to make sure that we have this tool to be uh, used when we actually need to fight uh, infections. Mm. But that's more traditional means, not, not so, so advanced like, like AI. Mm-hmm. You, you, you mentioned that Accenture had estimated that uh, it's 20% efficiency we can we can utilizing AI for. McKinsey had said 40%. PVC, the big consultancy group, they said that the gross domestic product will increase with at least 15% when utilizing AI in the right way. So so um, AI more advanced analytics again. Mm. So if we can see that it's maybe 20% on basic analytics, visualization, and then an additional 20% on when we're really utilizing AI for logistics and optimization and segmentation of patients and so on. And that is, back to your questions, to the inhabitants and the citizens, when then can log in and look for patients like me and how their infections or illnesses has, has impacted them and they can compare to others. That is really e-health. And, and we need to harvest the data because the data is digitized today, but we haven't harvested it with analytics. And when we're doing that, I really believe, and, and that is also stated from Cleveland Clinic, we, we don't need to do instinct data, instinct care anymore. We, do, we need to do insight care. And that is will improve healthcare with at least 20%. So, so it's really, really important that we harvest the digitization of the data to more analytics. So we discussed earlier, data is exploding on use of the technology, you know, augmented intelligence, artificial intelligence is also picking up. So a key question here would be, will doctors be supplemented or replaced by AI and robots? Rune? I would I would say a very, very clear no to that question, because uh, as Ulf mentioned earlier on, AI and uh, robotics will, will uh, complement the doctors. And if we look at some interesting numbers, in uh, 1970, it took uh, about 20 years before the, the, the amount of medical knowledge doubled. Today, the amount of knowledge 
uh, doubles within five months. So some decades ago, you could be a doctor and you could uh, stay updated by reading uh, a medical journal uh, a couple of times a month. Today, that's not, it's just not possible to absorb this amount of information for a doctor. So we need to provide the doctors with uh, technology that makes them able to harvest all this new information which is being created all the time. So uh, I would say definitely no, it's not going to replace the doctors, but it's going to be an important tool to to complement the doctors, to, to make them both more efficient and also more accurate in their in their job. Then as you mentioned earlier as well, Ulf, it, it might be also something that the patient should demand, you know, using the insights right. that data could give. Yeah, and, and we know that... Um, 30% of the healthcare given to the patients are error-based. So the clinicians are not follow the clinical pathways or the, the report they should follow. And, and that's giving the, the bias and the irregular services, which we now see when the informations are growing with that speed that we see today. So I fully agree. So there are both rewards and challenges in applying AI. And healthcare providers obviously need to trust algorithms to use AI. So what about the ethical aspects here? How can clinicians use patient data responsibly? I think there are, are, are many interesting ethical aspects regarding applying AI uh, within healthcare. One of the most difficult aspects is related to DNA uh, or gen- genome sequencing. So one example here is, uh, let's say that we, we did a complete scan of myself, a complete DNA sequence of, of, of me, and uh, then applied, applied AI uh, on my dataset in order to identify possible health problems in the future. And uh, I'm not really sure if I, if I want to know all this. Probably I only want to know things that I can do something proactively with. So uh, there, that's uh, one interesting aspect, I think, which we need to handle in a very careful and conscious way. Mm. And we also have trivial problems like health insurance. Uh, let's say that an, an insurance company gets uh, access to my DNA sequence. Is that okay? Probably not. That's going to, to change uh, the whole insurance system. So we have a, a lot of interesting and very important ethical aspects we need to handle very carefully. I think that's a great comment. And I just want to also ask another question in, in that sense. We talked a bit earlier about, you know, Massachusetts being the home of fantastic universities, you know, also ranking strongly on a global scale. And I know they've done some projects with us, Ulf, that you know, have insight into on handling, you know, the, the ethical aspects or the identity part of this, you know, DNA discussion. C- could you share a little bit on that? I can, yeah. First of all, the, the governor himself uh, was selected and uh, he said we can't handle the data as we do right now we don't have access to each data we need to find the way how we can anonymize the data and have access to them and make the algorithms on edge to each provider and uh, he set an um, legislations and, and lawyers together and he set up a um, regulations called chapter 55 which really allows the sender to the receiver and split the information and the data so it's two two way of, of split the data with the with the identified files and then they can send the data to the analytical environment and um, that has make them possible to to share the data in a very accurate way and i think we in the nordic should um, 
look into that and see what we can do. And SAS has supported that and, and make that possible for, for it and um, really change the behavior, how the data. And that has now been adopted for every state in the US. So it's a, it's a nice story. I think it's a very powerful way as well to go into how you actually take the real insights, you know, from real data. We're applying it anonymously mm. so you don't have that uh, conflict of interest in terms of identifying real people right. in there. You right. know, uh, back to mm. the insurance and the, the mm. remarks earlier, Rune. Mm. One part of the ethics is also that we have a lot of bias in, in the data today. And um, healthcare are known to just developed drugs for white people 40 years old. And that also buys mm. an ethical view. So if we can sample the data and, and utilizing every inhabitant's experience of the illnesses and the experience of the drugs, we can really make more precision drugs. Mm. From what we have been discussing today, I hear there is huge potential for AI to help clinicians provide more precise, timely and personal care but that these tools like, must serve as a complement rather than a replacement to the clinician. And Rune, if you're discussing that, what are your top three tips for healthcare organizations wanting to embrace AI and analytics? Well, I think the first is, is for the organization to actually acknowledge that uh, technology and traditional medicine will merge more and more. IT uh, or technology is not just something supporting. It's, it's going to be a core of, of, uh, of our operations in, uh, within healthcare. Secondly, I would urge the organizations to, to dare to explore, initiate small-scale projects attacking real problems. To, uh, to build experience and knowledge within your organizations related to AI and ana analytics. And uh, never forget to involve the cl clinicians in, uh, in these projects. An overall tip is, of course, always remember the patient. We, we must always focus on what is, what is going to be ben beneficial for the patient running these projects. First of all, I don't hope. I think we need to base our actions on fact. And when we have the data available, we should do the data-driven decisions on facts. And like Cleveland Clinic has said, not instinct. We, we talk about insight before instinct. The patient himself, they need to be supported a lot, lot more. So I think the re revolutions will not come from the healthcare side. It will come from the patient side when they will receive healthcare at home rather from a replacement center at, at a hospital. So I think that will revolutionize healthcare when we're utilizing data and the machines can be supporting the patients at home more than the replacement center like the hospitals are today. We're running low on time. So I want to finish by asking you a final question. You're both obviously very passionate, engaged about AI and the positive impact it can have in healthcare. So what are your inspiration sources? Where should the audience go to follow you and find more out about this topic? Well, I think yeah, there are like tons of information out there. So um, if I should try to get some local tips, I would suggest to, to follow Oslo Cancer Cluster. They do a lot of interesting uh, projects on AI and analytics. I would also like to mention mention the Center for um, Artificial Intelligence Research at the uh, University of Agder. They also uh, have a great environment for, uh, for AI. And of course, uh, TED and YouTube is also a fantastic source for both understanding the basics behind AI, like neural networks, and uh, of course, um, a lot of real projects using AI. And of course, I'm happy if people want to, to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm, I, I try to share and uh, publish news about innovation projects we are running in Health How about you, Els? 
actually I'm inspired by the professionals I'm working with because I think that their knowledge and they are so near the patients. So my my advice is be at the professional side and look at it from the patient side and do the stats and maths from that. I think that is the, the most advice, the most best advice I can give. And follow me on LinkedIn, of course, but I think be on site, be at the professional side, but look at the problem from the patient side. That is my best view. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rune Erdrath. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Analytics for Society podcast, where we have been discussing how AI and analytics can benefit and even revolutionize the healthcare industry for the greater good of both patients and society. I think after this insightful conversation with Rune and Ulf, my personal takeaway is that it comes down to brave leadership to embrace the positive potential of analytics and artificial intelligence to solve and debate flip sides and challenges openly. In that way, I think we can create both the right trust in the use of technology and use AI to improve patient care and save lives. Tune in to our other episodes to learn more about how AI can help your business with social innovation and transformation, while at the same time benefit the greater good of society. 